like, like I'm from the real Detroit, like all the back blocks, like people I know and people I hang with on the day to day and get with just had casual conversations. A lot of people can't brush shoulders and rub those people I know, I know, I know. What up, though, nigga? Shit, what's poppin', homeboy? Shit, hangin', my nigga? Yeah. Nah, I know what's up. Nigga, scurvy out here, man. Well, you know, you gotta watch your back. Yeah, man. Stay strapped, you know what I'm saying? Got to. D is out cold right now, man. It's cold in the D, you know. Set the roof on fire, let this motherfucker burn. Turn down for what? Burnt down the club with a pack of salt. Now we to the nearest after hour. Where they busting it open, they trying to get out of box. I used to push it for the explore Eddie Bow. Now we pushing foreigners up the one with my seven mile. We're selling powder, I got quarters for 11,000. And more books than borders, but I'm selling ounces. 1300 skun, got me steady count. Spent up a half of one and got me 27 out. Nigga hit me for a split, I took a seven out. Sitting on all these bricks, shit. I should be building house. Playing with them birds like a nigga joust. The list poking on the bourbon, got them bitches power. Won't catch me with a double cup unless I'm sipping out. Finna fuck another nigga bitch and then forget about it. Yep. Alright, so now we are in full effect again. Detroit is different. We got a very special guest. Friend of the family of Detroit is different because this is like one of the artists that uh, when I think about Sterling Toes, when I think about the whole Barry Gory sound, I think of one MC in particular. We got Bodie James right here upstairs in my crib. <laughs> Bodie, what's going on, sir? What's the deal? Yes, yes, yes. And Sterling back in effect as all always. Right. That's yes, my sir. big bro. All right, all right, all right. And we uh we talking on this real cold. It's 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 freezing Detroit classic weather right now. We're gonna get into this classic Detroit is different conversation like I always started. What's your tie to the city of Detroit? I am Detroit. All right, all right. So family. Who in your family moved here first? Um, both of my parents was here from scratch. I think uh, my grandfather, his family, they have been here. Okay, like, what uh, what parts of the South? I just imagine all black people come from the South. My people from Florida, Mississippi. Okay, Mississippi. That's like for show, for show South. You been down there? Yeah, for sure. I didn't live down there for um three summers before. Three summers mm-hmm. when you was a kid, fresh out the youth home. I had to go um reform down in Mississippi with my grandma. Huh? What city was it? Carthage. Carthage, Mississippi. How big is that town? Conway. Biggest my neighborhood, square radius, square mile radius, uh seven mile, six mile, evergreen, Southfield, about Yeah. So it's like about like a square, like real small ass town. Like I said, about a, a square mile and a half, two mile radius or whatnot. <laughs> Alright, I mean, at least that's how I feel because the roads, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's two lane highways. It's you know, one way to get there and one way to come back. So, you know, even even when you driving to a short distance, the the road might actually go around. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's just it's just a crazy like it's it's the South. You know how it go. All right, all right. So, other than that, in the South, what you remember about like Detroit growing up as a kid? Man, these cold ass winters, walking to school, trash bags on my feet and shit, not trying to fuck up my new gym shoes. <laughs> we was we was sneakerheads growing up. Like, no, I'm serious. Like. 
we were some fresh little niggas growing up, and even when we wasn't as fresh as we thought we was, mm-hmm. we still carried ourselves like we was, you know. So, okay, me and my guys, we always been like trendsetters. We always been like, you know, what I'm saying the niggas to break the mold. We wasn't never like the followers, you know what I mean? All right. So when you say trendsetting and everything and sneakers, I can remember a couple sneakers coming out. Now, so we like all sort of in the same radius of age. What was the first pair of sneakers that you got that was like? I need these in my life. Um, I can't say because I always had dope kicks since a kid. But I'm going to say the first time I ever had a pair of shoes on where I felt like I was doing something was one of my big cousins. I went to jail and they gave me a whole bunch of old retro shoes mm-hmm. that wasn't actually considered to be retros at the time. They was just some shoes that he had when they originally came out that he kept mm. in a box for a long time. Okay. So... You know what I'm saying? Me and my man Robbo, you know, we was always like fucking with them shoes and that and that gear heavy. So I had a pair of number two Jordans before they was re-releasing shoes. So you had some twos before, before anybody else could really get I their can, hands I can on. Honestly, two. say that. So it was like you, Jordan, Phil Knight, and Spike Lee <laughs> <laughs> and, rocking and, twos before they was retro. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. All right, did you have like top tens and all of them? I wasn't a big Adidas fan. My man Rob, he used to rock Adidas and shit, and shit that he didn't want or didn't give a fuck about, he'd give it to me, and I'd put the toothbrush wipe on the shit, you know what I'm saying, put some soap on it, bring it back to life. Like, I wasn't, like, high-techs, you know what I'm saying? He gave me my first pair of high-techs. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have the type of, um, the type of father who, gave me anything I didn't deserve. And a lot of times I wasn't in deserving of nothing because we was kind of mischievous as kids, you know, mm-hmm. so. All right, so, yeah, because I remember the first pair that it just seemed like everybody wanted. And I definitely couldn't end up with it. I had the shirt, but I wanted them damn cross-training, <laughs> uh, the cross-training Bo Jacksons. Yeah. <laughs> the cross-trainers was the <laughs> shit, bro. Everything I wanted as a kid that I didn't have, I for sure had it. Five, four, five times over now that I'm grown. You know what I'm saying? Just being a sneakerhead, you were walking somewhere and spend some money. You know you ain't got no business spending just because you see some shit you always want and you know it's gonna come in handy one day with with something that you're trying to put together on the gear side. Like, and I rap, so a nigga, a nigga gotta stay fresh. A nigga gotta, you know, switch up his ensemble. Yeah, yeah. All right, so when you buy sneakers, because you are a sneakerhead, do you buy like two pairs? Do you say, all right, I'm keeping this ain't no telling. for the, for the collection, ain't and then no I'm telling. keeping this to wear? And ain't no telling. Like, it depends on how I'm feeling. I done walked out of um, stores with eight, nine, ten pair shoes before. You know what I mean? Right, and there have been times where I didn't push it in the layaway. You know what I mean? So... Well then, I, I definitely know Rose Spitz' favorite Detroit rapper got to be this guy. <laughs> huh? You, you rock New Balance? Um, I had I had my New Balance phase. See what it is about us. We we burn out on everything. Like when we do something, we go hard, man. Like the Air Ones, I damn near can't even put them on my feet no more. We had so many pairs of them. The uh, certain Jordans, you know what I'm saying? I laugh when I see the kids with them on because it's like damn. <laughs> You know what I mean? I've skipped school. I still can't all type of shit to get them kicks. On the back of the Jordans, it's like they didn't used to be there. It used to be a Nike on the back. Yeah, it's that's it, how we like them. That's how us. That's how us original Jordan fans, like us real Jordan sneakerheads, we, we call about a year. Yeah, 
Now they call them by the number because they drop them so frequently. And you all are definitely talking what I think is the number one shoes that I ever see in Detroit. And those are Air Force Ones and Jordans. Just period. It's almost like I remember part of Detroit culture more than anything. I got a classic story about a pair of Air Ones. So one Christmas, me and my man Robbo, we uh. We was we was trying to finesse our parents into getting us these white and patent leather Air Ones and shit. So the white and black patent leather Jordans was coming out at the, around the same time too, mm-hmm. and they was like a whole um, cost of the shoe difference. Like the Air Ones would be like seventy nine, eighty something dollars. The Jordans would be like one sixty. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So your people were skeptical about buying you the Air Ones. So they're really looking at you crazy about the Jordans. You know? Yeah. So um. Robbo had had the ones and the Jordans. I just had got the Air Ones that year. And then uh, we was coming home from school one day, and it was these older niggas. They used to hate on us all the time because we were so fresh. We had all the little chicks on our line. You know what I mean? We just was some kids that, you know what I'm saying, just was having our way with things, you know? So mm-hmm. one of the old heads, they um they caught my man, and they robbed him for his, uh, his first down. So we had this thing about not running, you know what I mean? Like if you run, you a bitch or whatever, you scared or whatnot. So we damn near knew the niggas was coming after us, you know, but nigga just like, man, I ain't about to run from these niggas. These niggas gonna have to take this shit, you know? So they ran up on me. Couple deep, like two, three niggas ran up on me. And um, they made me check my Air Ones in. And uh, I had to walk home from, from, from school in the snow, like three, four blocks and shit. Feet frost bill, all that over a fucking pair of Air Ones. And then you got to watching the news. And all that year, over those two particular pair of shoes, that pair of Air Ones and that pair of Jordans, those patent leathers, everybody was dying over that shit, bro. Oh, man. Yeah. I went to, because uh, I grew up not that far from here. I remember when the kid got shot behind Winterhalter. Uh, and I know the kid that shot him. Over the goddamn what, what was that? You knew JT. You talk about yeah. yeah. And then the ninety, okay, in ninety five, in ninety five, the um, same thing happened right in front of that damn precinct on Livernois because we was riding our bike through the alley. Mm-hmm. And the damn, uh, we was riding our bike through the alley. The the Livernois, it's like a it's a precinct. It's like one of the, definitely not the best precinct, but we got robbed right in front of the precinct. I ain't even have no That's damn Detroit. shoes worth stealing. That's Detroit, buddy. <laughs> you know, and then I got in trouble for getting robbed. That's that shit. It's like, yo, my yeah, mom was yeah. like, it's like, where were you going? And it's like, damn, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble for getting robbed. You know, you come home wearing socks. It was the summer, so at least it wasn't it wasn't freezing. But I got in trouble for being robbed. We well, was only in like the, uh, the seventh grade or some shit when that happened. Ever since then, we had pistols. Being robbed does definitely uh, have you have a whole different. Yeah, Robbo actually had pistols then. See, but we was kids and we tried to, you know what I'm saying, be kids. But once that happened, it was like, yeah, you know what I mean? Nigga couldn't even be a kid no more. All right, all right, all right. So we definitely got to get into that whole thing. As I think it's definitely easy as hell to get a pistol in the city of Detroit. As I think about when I went to Northwestern, it was multiple ways of getting it. But yeah, it's real easy. You ain't even got a bound. <clears throat> we just used to take them from our people. We used to have them laying around the house. And mm-hmm. just take them bitches outside, take them with us, 
whatever until we start being able to finesse and buy our own firepower and shit. You know what I mean? Nah, shit, I got. Nah, I ain't gonna talk out of death. I don't think I can say that on. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to. We definitely don't want to. Uh, the statute of limitations. Yeah. We got to keep in mind. So when we think about the whole concept of uh, of that experience, we're just gonna say um, stockpiling. Mm-hmm. That's what we're gonna say. We stockpile them joints, not. All right, now do you think that because it is so easy to get pistols? Like I always think that it's a high probability you're gonna run into somebody else that got a pistol on them too. Yeah. You you tow the gun all the time. Nine times out of ten, you gonna have to use it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I learned that as a juvenile. Mm-hmm. You keep that pistol. You gonna have to blow that bitch. So just be ready. We we will come with it. All right. So when you first got into trouble with the law, just as a kid, what was it over? First time, I, um, it was from running away from home. I was a runaway as a kid. I um, I had a a problem with authority, like. It was one thing. I always respected my father. I never been a disrespectful kid or nothing like that. Like we always was heavy on the respecting our people shit. Cause most of us in my circle had single parent households. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like my old dude. He just was different. He he was a little stricter. You know what I mean? So. It's hard to um, follow somebody's rule when you feel like you're your own man. So I just used to always take off from the crib, and I got running from the, right from the crib. Then I started stealing cars. Then um, I stole a pistol from the house and um, took it out in the world for months. I was gone. How long I ran away, Rob, till? What, till I was down there grown? Shit. Mm-hmm. But um, then I got caught with a strap. And it was my old dudes. It was a, uh, it was his work gun actually. Mm-hmm. And I shot a nigga with the gun. Nigga tried to rob me in the park, and I shot him three times in the back with the gun. How old? How old were you? Fifteen. How old was the kid? He was grown. Okay. Did you even know? Yeah, I knew. Him. Okay. His little brother went to Cooley with me. His name was um Deshawn. His brother name was Dewan. He went to Cooley with me. Mm-hmm. And the nigga must have thought I was some little young punk selling weed in this neighborhood. Thought he was just about to get down on me. And he ain't know. I got, I've been tired of niggas getting down on me for years. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. like I said, we was a little bit more advanced as kids. So the older heads, we had come across shit that um, we would think, you know, it's like nothing. Because we come across shit like this all the time. Then we would get around older niggas. And then they'd get to looking at us and trying to scheme and tip on the shit we doing and shit we got, you know what I'm saying? So, at that point, I had already been going through that for shit since sixth, seventh grade, you know what I mean? I'm 15, so what's that, four years? Enough is enough, so I, once I blew the whistle, and I got in trouble for that shit. All right, so what happened with like that first case? How did the whole thing go down? Juvenile, um, dude didn't come to court. Um, they couldn't do nothing but charge me with what I had done with the gun as far as taking it out the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandma came up here from Mississippi and told the judge if he gave me another chance that she would take me down south. And, uh, and that's what led to you going down south. Yeah. All right. What was it like just that whole transition from leaving Detroit and going down south then being 15? And I can only imagine in a small town like that in Mississippi. 
It's like um <clears throat> going from running track with um it's like from running track track and field hurdles to like uh swimming, you know what I mean? You know I like people can swim fast but not as fast as they run. Mm-hmm. That's what it was like. Like Detroit is quick. Mississippi is very slow. So I had to um learn how to have patience. Mississippi taught me patience. Okay. So what was the the whole like relationship between you and your grandma and the rest of your people down there? Oh like? yeah, that's butter. Like that's a that's the world in itself, man. You know what I'm saying? My I got a real big family down there. My grandma, she had thirteen siblings. And yeah, that's um, an old school family. Yeah. We got mm-hmm. one all about it. My great grandma had kids all about my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I got down there, I was already familiar with a lot of my cousins because I stayed going to the final reunions and shit like that through the years. Okay. What is uh, most of them doing right now? And then what, what do they do when they, like, turn on the TV and see, like, God damn, that's my cousin rapping. They fuck a lot of them up because, <clears throat> like, you know, of course y'all know, you know, we from the real Detroit, you know what I mean? And y'all hear the stories about Detroit. And we actually, you know, out there in that shit, and we mix and mingle with those people that, People think I such terrible people and they, you know what I mean, scum of the earth and the most evilest motherfuckers known to man and shit, but mm-hmm. them be regular people to us. Them be our homeboys, them be our brothers, them be people that we embrace and we trust in and confide in, you know what I'm saying, with with all type of secrets, you know what I'm saying? Like they some of them be the most loyal people that you meet in life, you know what I mean? And the perception that everybody have about Detroit, you know what I'm saying? That's not how I look at it. Like, you know what I'm saying? These, these my people. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see it how everybody else see it. You know? Mm-hmm. So when, like, when you say like the perception, because it's a lot of different views that a lot of people have about the city. Are you mostly saying from like people our age? Are you saying from people older? People from outside the city? What is it? People worldwide, because, um, for example, one time this, uh, I think they were from like China. They came up here with a bunch of money trying to um invest in the Detroit Realty and you know what I'm saying, trying to mm-hmm. get the economy up and you know, they had a whole bunch of bright ideas and they went down to the casino and two young black men robbed the the Chinamen for uh all the yen that they brought to America. It was like millions of dollars of this shit. Mm-hmm. And these dumb motherfuckers took the money back to the casino and tried to cash it in. You know I mean, what I'm saying? But, and get the currency exchange. But the first thing I would say is how in the hell is most people gonna goddamn exchange yen but in check the first it out. Day But check it out. So mm-hmm. the people they didn't know how rich those people really were. Like that was like lunch money to them. Mm-hmm. So they went back to um wherever they were from and they just told their people like, Look, Detroit's the worst place in the world, you know what I'm saying? Like I would advise you to never go there, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And then one time I was in Atlanta, I had an accident, um me and my wife, we had crashed up our truck, so we was down there for like two months, staying in the Holiday Inn and shit. And uh, we was in the room for so long that after like a month, we realized that like, damn, we need to get out and do something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we called a taxi, and the taxi noticed I had like kind of an accent compared to where the people that was jumping in and out of his cab was from. Mm-hmm. So he asked me, say, yo, where you from? I'm like, I'm from Detroit. He say, uh, no, that's not how it went. He had an accent, so I asked him where he was from. Mm-hmm. 
He told me he was from Africa. So then he noticed I had an accent, so he asked me where I was from. I told him Detroit. And he told me, God bless me and my family. And I'm thinking like, motherfucker, you live in Africa. You feel me? That's one of the worst places in the motherfucking world, but I guess not compared to Detroit. I think I think I say all all places. I know I can't wait to get to Nigeria to do some damn business. But uh it I think so much of it depends on like where you at and where you from. Cause even right now, uh and it's been people that have looked at my crib and you were like, Man, I am knee deep in the hood, Linwood, Davidson. But it's it's how you how you cut, what you learn, who you interact with, See, how you I, interact. I got best of both worlds. I got best you know? of both worlds. So this Mm-hmm. You know, this the ghetto to a lot of people. But mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I'm from East Warren to West Seven Mile. You know what I'm saying? So I got the best of both worlds. I know about top to bottom Detroit. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. the ghetto is the ghetto. You know, whether you Linwood, Davidson, wherever the fuck you at. You know what I'm saying? Just You just got to know this still Detroit. This bitch will swallow you whole. All right. Let's get into as we talk about that. Let's get a little bit into the whole music thing. And uh, I'm going to have Sterling speak on this. First, all right. So when did you lab. start? Uh, <laughs> when did you start recording with Bowie? Oh man, two thousand. All right. What was the whole? <laughs> what led to this whole thing? All right, man. So, <laughs> oh man, this shit was historic. So, uh, so two thousand, uh, I moved to Chalmers and uh, Chalmers and Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Scripts. Yeah. Between scripts and court, and uh, my boy Murph was coming to my crib to record. And Murphy and, uh, is another producer that uh, does a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Um, real crisp. Shout out to sound. Frank Murphy. Real, real crisp with his sound. Yeah. So, so Murph uh, was having people come over because we we're recording. Uh, he was recording a compilation in my crib. Mm-hmm. So. It was uh, one day where he had a dude named Idol Costamato who was actually... That's my um, big bro. That's okay. like his big bro. Yeah. And uh, Bodie and his little brother Poppy is like, you know, like best of friends, you know. So Idol came over to do the song. And for some reason that day, it was just like it wasn't clicking. It was just I know what it was. Out. This what it was. Mm-hmm. He had this big booty bitch in the studio, <laughs> right? That that can big 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 asses have uh, derailed many a black men. See, but you gotta be historically. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. I can't I can't dispute that. But I'm saying he had he had an ass so big in front of him it was distracting him. You feel me? He couldn't. Yeah, I mean, big ass got Kanye West going crazy. She was looking at him like, uh, like, come on, like, damn, can you hurry up? Like, so we can go get something to eat type shit. He just wasn't there, man. Big ass took his man, his man wasn't in it. You know what I mean? I forgot that. I forgot that part of it. I forgot that she was there. But what I do remember, whoever this lady is, uh, I I wish to see you on Instagram one day. I actually thank her. I thank her. I thank her. You know what I'm saying? Not for the, not for her having a big old ass, but I just I, thank I her thank for you. distracting <laughs> bro. And it, okay, okay. So, so I had like a little park bench thing in the corner of the of the basement, right? And mm-hmm. so him and Poppy was sitting on it. So he just in the corner, sitting around under his breath and shit. And so Murph, Murph, you know that's my broad level, but the nigga gets impatient, right? 
I mean, that's that's so a tendency that. So he hears, he hears, he hears niggas ass. Look, so he hears Moochie and he like. I'm Moochie, by the way. Yeah, okay. that's Moochie. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, he's like, let me hear what you're saying. And so he say like just a few lines of it, and he turned to Idol and was like, "Can he do this over your beat?" <laughs> so Idol looked like, yeah, you know, like that's a little bro, let him right. do his thing. Yeah. So he's like, "All right." So he gets on the mic. It was pitch the ball. It was like a five minute rhyme. It wasn't a chorus or nothing. He did that shit in one take. Uh huh. The whole from top to bottom. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Now, when, did you did you already have this rhyme written? See what's so crazy is I was I had to call my bro today and I had to tell him I say bro I didn't realize how important you been in my musical journey meaning like my bro Robbo nah Robbo cause yeah like this before all the costos and the you know what I'm saying the bricks is all that like he always just been in the background just you know what I'm saying he's not real verbal about things but i know he sees certain things he you know be looking at me like yo what the fuck you do that goofy ass shit for or like why you fucking with them niggas and he used to always tell me like certain niggas don't fit with on songs with me you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying like i mean you sound better than them niggas them niggas not doing nothing but kind of like you know what i'm saying clashing with what you're trying to do type shit Mm -hmm. so um make a long story short he had um we was having a conversation about some mafia shit, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Some some real ghetto gangster Detroit shit that is part of the lineage on why niggas, you know what I'm saying? Uh, be around here with the ties they got to the streets type shit when it mm-hmm. come to the bag and you know what I'm saying the moves that get made to make mm-hmm. the money behind the scenes, you know. So just casual conversations me and Robbo always had be so deep conversations. That I write raps about him. Mm-hmm. And he was the only one that I wanted to appease with my music. Because we grew up during the golden era. Like, like, y'all don't understand. Like, we used to earn our nautical shirts and our guest outfits and Jabot the jeans. And, you know what I'm saying? Our dockers and shit like that. Our dickies and all that shit. Like, listening to Sibo, AZ, Nas. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, underground shit. People went up on, like, Big Mac. Uh, he was a West Coast artist. Um, all that sick with his shit. We was mm-hmm. we was burnt off all E40 and the click. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like Mob Deep, Wu Tang, shit like that. Like we was gone off any any music that was dope mm-hmm. that was coming out that fit the criteria of the the characters that we had in the streets. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. that's what we was rocking off of. So I said that to say this. When I used to write a rap, I used to call Rob Fong and rap him to death. Like, I did this shit for years, like, to the mm-hmm. point where we got older and he'd be in the middle of real shit and he'd just be, I could tell, like, sometimes he'd be irritated, but he'd be, hey, hold on, my man on the phone, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Put, me, put me on speakerphone, he listened to the shit, I'm like, what you think about that? He's like, that's hard, you know what I'm saying? But I used to have so many raps that I used to do this shit to him all the time. Mm-hmm. And... Now we to the point where, um, you know what I'm saying, we got families and mm-hmm. real responsibilities and shit. So I try not to worry him with that shit, you know what I mean? But in real life, I haven't had nobody I can call and do that to mm-hmm. since I've been making music. So I hit him up today like, bro, why don't you come and just um, 
just interview with me and shit and just come kick it with me today cause I ain't, I ain't have my juice. He like, what you mean? I'm like, you know, I ain't been feeling juicy. Like, like you used to really give me my juice. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm trying to say. Like, the so basically, the, the, the stemmed the rhyme from a conversation me, him, and our brother mm -hmm. Brent. God bless his soul. Like, we lost three of our best friends to in a mm -hmm. car accident. And Brent, he was in the Benz. He was the driver of the Mercedes that had the accident that T bone got T boned by uh. A car running from the police and all my gas flew out the window and hit that, that yeah, and hit their heads real. But I came out your house later that night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They hit their heads real hard, you know, saying going out the window and they all died. And me, him, and Brent was in the car having a talk, you know, saying getting high one night. And the talk was so deep that I wrote a five minute rap about it. Mm -hmm. And that's pitch the ball. All right, all right. So that definitely opens up the whole next microphone where we about to pass this mic. To the next man in here. <laughs> All right. So, when do you remember her? When you remember Bodie stepping up and rhyming in the first place? I ain't gonna lie to you, man. This Captain Rhyming since man, real shit, man. Fifth, sixth grade, even when niggas used to put rhymes together, you might say this, nigga might say that, and just put it together, and then you'd be like, damn, well, that do sound better. Well, man, he maybe he should have said this, or this cat might have was able to say this, mm -hmm. but um, you know. We always listen to AZ. We always listen to Nas. So we mm -hmm. always listen to real rap. So when he started starting, starting to put his shit all in one pot and start making sense of his music, I'm like, damn, man. You hard as fuck. You know what I'm saying? And you got a different type of rap. You ain't saying the same old, oh, man, I shot this nigga. Or I sold it. So it's a amount of drugs. Or I did this or I did that. It was more so from the heart like shit. If we had a good day today, we had a smooth day today, and he can be able to form that into a storyline. And when you got bars and hooks in a good storyline, that's going to be good music regardless. Mm -hmm. But uh, back to the question at hand, though, man, I'm thinking anywhere between like fifth grade. Man. So in fifth grade, when he was rhyming, was it over tracks? Was it just like off the dome? Was it, were you writing it, it down? It was whatever. Was one thing, man, it was whatever, but we was most mostly freestyling. Like okay. our whole little crew was freestyling. But so you were rhyming with them. See, too. I'm gonna tell you yeah. what I'm gonna tell okay. you what ended up happening. Mm -hmm. Around the times when we really knew we was about to be in the streets, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And we was kids. Me and him was kids at this time. Mm -hmm. But Master P was heavy on the scene, mm -hmm. the body and body Master body. P was one of the biggest influences ever, as far as like my direction. That I went with the music, cause P and the music was so real that I'm like, fuck it, like my niggas some real niggas and, and my gang some it's some real shit going on, so I might as well rap about our life. You I know think, what I'm saying? Uh, and then let me let me say this too, uh, just for in the sense of for a lot of people. When I was having this discussion with this dude on the North End not too long ago, actually yesterday, or was it the day before yesterday? Probably the day before yesterday. That um. As you talk about the streets and lineage and just culture, you know, Detroit is rich in a lot of cultures, but it's definitely rich in street culture. And it kind of ties to like your background. So a lot of the people like even in my neighborhood, um, you know, have like ties that are, you know, it's funny you use the term mafia, but it's the same lineage. Like if your if your dad was in the union. You probably maybe end up in your union. If your dad was a politician, you may be ending up a politician. A lot of the cats' dads that, you know, were in the streets with different forms of drugs or cars or guns or whatever, 
now as i've gotten older they have those same ties so really a lot of the safety kind of comes I th i've seen from over here from you know uh the family ties that exist so when you talk about like what's deeply rooted and it's a lot of that deeply rooted that really i would say goes back as far as from what i know you know probably to the turn of the 1900s when a whole lot of you know we had to as black people in the city of detroit had to fight for everything that existed mm -hmm. and then it furthermore kept going to the fights for everything that existed so uh, when you think about what exists for political culture, that's tied to street culture in a way. It's tied to um, what's in the church see, as well. See. It's tied to almost everything. So it's a it's 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 almost a, 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 a I got a, a scenario for you. I got a scenario for you. I got mm -hmm. a scenario for you. So yeah. <clears throat> my granddaddy was a gangster. You know what I'm saying and. You know what I'm saying? My right hand, Robbo, his his granddaddy had a lot of game about himself, and his uncles was gangsters. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So he didn't have his father growing up, and my father raised me. So it's different. It's like <clears throat> he didn't he didn't grow up and do what his mom did, and I didn't grow up and do what my pops did. Uh, how they worked and provided for us like we didn't take that route in life what it was with us was we had too much time on our hands to figure out things on our own and we had different type of influences like it was people in our neighborhood that um like we had a homeboy uh named bud and bud what he used to say all the time right uh, i can't hit you with it right now man off the top i of wake up to ten thousand every morning oh yeah Ten thousand every fucking morning. Right. right. To a and motherfucker who hear that nigga be like, man, whatever. But if you knew this motherfucker, you'd be like, damn, this nigga do be waking up to that morning every fucking day. You feel me? And so just you seeing that as a kid, that's gonna make you be like, man, I want to wake up to five hundred every day. <laughs> I'm gonna make up to two hundred every day. You feel me? For real, and it start off just like that, like, like just like the cat I got the name Bodie from. He was real significant. He played a real significant role in our life, just showing us. How you get it off the fat of the land? Like you looked up one day, and he 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 wasn't too much, you know what I'm saying? Any different than any other cat, you know what I'm saying? His situation, you couldn't tell the difference in who was doing better or who was excelling at, at this and that and whatnot in life. You know what I mean? And then one day you look up and then just boom, dude bottle rocket to the roof you know what i'm saying and you look up you watching two three cars in this driveway all rimmed up and really ain't even give a fuck about clothes for real just a bankroll you know what i'm saying and nice things you know then you look up you see all these attractive women and all these nice cars in this this exotic company you know what i'm saying and you're like damn what the fuck just happened you know what i'm saying but that just goes to show you like our role models and influences in Detroit. It's sad to say, but in our case, a lot of them was dope boys. Okay. Now, do you think you said it had the same like access to like whoever was working in the neighborhood? Nah, it wasn't that because we were special. Like mm -hmm. it was a lot of kids in the neighborhood that could have adopted us. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I said that wrong. It was a lot of dealers and shit in the neighborhood that could have adopted us and. 
and took us under their wing and ruined us and you know what I mean but we were so smooth and so intelligent that the OGs always embraced us you know what mm -hmm. I mean like we damn near used to be lacing these niggas shoes up on game you know what I'm saying like like all the older niggas that was around us not only could they lace our shoes on shit but we was lacing their shoes on shit too now when you say older what do you consider older because at this point 10 years or better 10 years or better a decade or better that's older because anything mm -hmm. else you down there within you and Pete you appear yeah mm -hmm. all right so like in this whole like element when you got back from Mississippi what was happening uh, I was right back to it because I used to come home every summer like my old dude used to reward me like if you don't get on your grandma's nerves like I let you come home for the summer you know what I'm saying but the mm -hmm. summer only like a hot two months so I come home, get to chill with my guys for a minute, and I had to take my ass right back down south. They might let me come home for for the holidays, like Christmas or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And every time I come home, I just want to be under my guys, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> I start noticing when shit start getting serious, like when money really start mattering. Like it was cool when you was a kid because, you know what I'm saying, you would have so much love for your homeboy, you would always try to cover his slack for what he lacking. But as you got older, you know what I'm saying, you felt like that was just dead weight. Mm -hmm. So we just started dropping all the dead weight. Anybody that didn't, you know what I'm saying, wasn't beneficial or, you know what I'm saying, conducive to what we was trying to do at that point in time, we couldn't run with them. We had to, you know what I'm saying, wasn't no hard feelings, but, you know what I'm saying, we, we went a, a separate route in life. Like, me or bro didn't graduate. They bought they, I don't know if I should be saying this, but this how real... This how real my squad was. Like, they found a way to hustle anything, and I, I literally mean anything. Like, like, like my man right here. We used to call him bass selling trade because his hustle was his hustle was so impeccable. As a child, he used to fascinate grown men. Like, like he used to pull off so many classics. Like I didn't see him buy something from you for twenty five thirty dollars, right? And sell it to a motherfucker in your face for three hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. That's a hundred percent profit. We mm -hmm. understood that then. We knew we we always knew how to count. Mm -hmm. You feel me? If you that's one thing you couldn't pull off our ass. You couldn't cheat us with the money. You know what I mean? And it's like we were so classical that even the niggas that tried to get down on us as kids, they had to deal with us as adults. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't always the same scenario. Like, now nah, we get the spoon feed and yo-yo niggas with the bag and the money. And you know what I'm saying? How you going to go about moving through life? Like, you can't even mm -hmm. make the right moves if we don't okay certain shit because we got the juice now. Mm -hmm. We stayed down long enough to the point where now nah, we got the muscle in the ghetto and we humble. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We don't, we don't send the cavalry. In half the times we supposed to, we don't George push the button like we supposed to because we still diligent about things and we still got families and shit that mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying. You want to be there for like, like we all then went through situations where we all almost got took from our families for long lengthy periods of time. But God blessed us. We fortunate. We back. We smarter. We making better moves, better investments. You know what I'm saying? And niggas trying to learn about the business side of everything it's not always about like balls and brine type shit like i ain't on that shit no more i ain't trying to have no cock swinging contest with no nigga i just want to see who can who can take it to farthest because that's what it's about
right. And as you were doing this whole concept and building really like a, a work ethic in, in the game, you still were coming up and crafting the rhymes. I'm too. pinning crazy shit like like everything we going through, I'm pinning through it all. Jail, us losing family members, teammates, all that. You feel me? Like like it don't matter. I'm calling home from the youth home, getting on niggas' nerves. I'm calling home from the county. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Whatever I'm going through, I'm calling from Mississippi. I'm, I'm back at the crib. I'm calling from the house phone while I'm on tether. I'm, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? These really my brothers. Like, like me and him got this understanding where people think we got our signals crossed because we go lengthy periods of time sometimes while he trying to he might fo- be focused on something, mm-hmm. and he got real tunnel vision, and I do too. So. When we lock in on something, that's what we locked in on. But people will see him and be like, yo, where your bro at? Where your man's at? You know what I'm saying? I ain't seen you and Moochie. Mm-hmm. He damn near could tell a nigga like, nigga, I am Moochie. Like, nigga, you ain't got to see me with him. Like, mm-hmm. we ain't never had no. We had one fight when we was kids, but. That's damn near how we met. Yeah. Playing mm-hmm. football. We had a fight. We didn't know each other, but it made us bros. Like, it made us close because, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He always been cut like. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he was the type of nigga just bomb on the older nigga. Knowing the older nigga gonna beat him up. Just as long as I get this good, bad motherfucker on you, you always gonna remember this. You know what I'm saying? It's a level of respect in that. Yeah. Let's, uh, when did you first uh, begin recording, though? With Sterling. Yeah. So that was the first time you ever recorded. Yeah. All right. So from there recording, what was the vision? Like, how did it feel when you finally laid something down on track? Okay, so, so when process? we talk about recording, we mean like on real studio equipment? Yeah. Or are we talking about just period? Well, both. Let's go both. Okay, real studio equipment, Sterling. First place I ever cut a joint at. First first person ever gave me a shot at showing what I can do on a microphone. Mm-hmm. Ever. You know what I'm saying? He always go down in the history books as being that guy. When did, uh, how did that feel? Like the whole thought process of laying it down in the studio? It felt good, man. It felt good to be able to go back to the neighborhood and let them hear something I created. Listen, we literally listened to this city till the motherfucking paint started peeling off the top of it. Like, and it was funny too because he, like, Murph had his roster of people he was gonna be on, that was gonna be on that album, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even him. Mm-hmm. But he ended up being like so, like, like kind of how the chronic was. Like he kind of became like Snoop. the Snoop Dogg Snoop for the chronic. Yeah. <laughs> like he had more songs than anybody else mm-hmm. on that album, and he wasn't even. Remember, top, I had the, I had the bold face. Me, me, Costo, and Bricks had that one song right. together. Yeah, Smokey. When I was like, um, don't give me. I start off. I start off. Just give me. Just give me my first word. That's vintage, good music. Remember the song, one of the first ones where we didn't even have a hook. We were just talking shit on the hook. We were just talking on the hook. Then I had the bold face, pitch the ball, and then that song with me and the kind creatures. It was actually called Kind Creatures, I think. He was on more of it than anybody. And everybody else was feeling some kind of way and everything. Was people that Murph had previous relationships with. He just came out of nowhere and just. And it was like Snoop. You know what's so unique about Bodie? When I first heard him, and Sterling was playing some of your music. It was like, okay, it, it was three things that stood out. The first thing is your delivery, because it's like I never heard a, a voice cut like that. That was one thing. And then the second thing was, it's like the way you were writing your bars. It was 
it was so in a pocket but it was like unorthodox out the pocket it was like jay-z reasonable doubt like i ain't heard nothing like that since see but it's funny you say things like that because r.i.p my nigga frankie it was this house on avon me and robo used to lie to our parents to get to this motherfucker i'm talking about everything was going over in this motherfucker and we might have been the youngest kids in this house but it literally used to be everything going on over here and the guys over there, <clears throat> they used to do anything for money. Snatch purses, rob, sell dope, weed, all type of shit. You know what I'm saying? And it was the CD sitting in the middle of the floor one day. I'll never forget this. I picked the CD up, and it said it had a 2.5 on it. And I didn't even know what the fuck it was. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, look, I read it said Rockefeller Records. And I'm thinking like, damn, it's that, that new Jay-Z nigga. With that ain't no nigga. I'm like, damn, this gotta be him. Cause that's the only person I heard rapping the Rockefeller shit. I'm like, let me mm-hmm. give this a shot. Cause I liked it, that song with Foxy, you know? So, um, like I said, I was running away at the time. So I was staying with my bro Brent. His mom was always at work. So me and the gang, we down there, you know what I'm saying? I took his house over. We was over in that bitch down there, turned this shit to a trap. Mm-hmm. And I'm over there listening to the CD. And it was so dope. I listened to the whole CD. I liked it a lot of it, but I especially liked it, uh, Coming of Age, mm-hmm. with him and Bleak on there. Yeah. And that's what made me really get the rest of the CD a real thorough listen. So, I brought the shit to my, my you know what I'm saying, immediate circle attention, like, dog, dope. You feel me? Like, I'm fucking with this shit. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. my talent show, my first talent show, the, the beat, me and Michael Officer, this one, another one of my homeboys, I started rhyming with him and my man Hope Man. Y'all gonna hear a lot about Hope Man, cause Hope Man dope. Mm-hmm. He, he, he out here doing his thing, but Michael Officer had went crazy. But back in seventh grade, me and Michael Officer did a uh, a talent show over the um, Dead Presidents beat. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I always respect Jay Flow and his crab, but I felt like he had it to to dominate the rap game, you know what I'm saying? And it's crazy how iconic Jay became throughout the years mm-hmm. because I stole $10 from my daddy to buy Illmatic. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? My man Sean sold me, we used to call him LS, he sold me uh, Illmatic for $10 and quarters. I gave him 40 quarters. I used to hit my daddy change box. <laughs> gave him 40 quarters for the CD and I stole reasonable doubt from my man Frankie. They, they found Frankie in the trash can. You know what I'm saying? Frankie was a he was a gangster. You know what I'm saying? Frankie was a wild boy, so that's how he died. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. Frank was on my ass about that tape because he damn near knew I had the CD on me because mm-hmm. he looking at me with the CD on me, looking for the CD. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting there looking like, shit, I don't know where the motherfucker <laughs> at. You know what I'm saying? But the motherfucker, it's on me. You know what, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. some wild days, man. Me. But that's the weird thing. Like, so I'm listening to it, and then that line where he's like, where where it was in that one song, and this is like early when Sterling was working on the project with you, where it was like, have I ever been convicted of a felony? And I was like, God damn, this motherfucker. That's cute. I was like, I knew that was cute, but the way you put it, I remixed right a lot after of- that. I was like, oh, this this I'm this, like, yo, this Sterling, why I do that. This dude is, I'm like this. This is why I that do shit like that. Me. I do shit like that because I grew up on Cube. Like the NWAs, 
You know what I'm saying? The Compton's Most Wanted, all that shit, like the DFCs, mm-hmm. even shit like Mr. Grimm, Endo Smoke, Warren G. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I fucked with shit like that. RBL Posse. RBL Posse, <laughs> you feel me? Everybody got their and all that shit. For real, but um, the reason I said that because Q indirectly, you know, raised a lot of people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and so did a lot of these rappers because we didn't watch a lot of TV growing up. We didn't play a lot of video games. We was hands-on and listening to the radio. So when I say shit like, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Yes. That's just to let you know the era of music I grew up during and what I listened to and what influences the music I make now. But where you put that in the stanza, I was like, yo, dude is... That just comes from being an MC. Like, mm-hmm. I take that shit serious. Like, the wordplay, the delivery, you know what I'm saying? Which words ram off each. Like, I can get my message out just saying it without ramming. But the, me being an MC about it, it make me tweak and be too meticulously calculating and particular about shit I say and putting on that paper because. When I turn 50, 60 years old, like I tell motherfuckers all the time, when I look at that big screen, I can't be ashamed of it. I got to look at that shit like it's me because my kids going to see it, my grandkids, my, you know what I'm saying? I can't hide that shit, you know? So if I'm doing something that wasn't me, that'll bother me. Like I'm the type of person where if I got some uh, uh, a spot on my coat or something, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to sit there and look at the shit all day until I either change my coat or wipe the shit out or just take you know what I'm saying that was the difference between him and the other I, I think like a lot of people just try to get a punchline off that, that passed through my basement and stuff like I think that was the difference is like he had a vision of the clarity about who he was man. Mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like he wasn't trying to package himself he wasn't trying to rap about what was popular or like he was defined in who he was from the jump you know, and I think that that's the difference between it's a lot of good rappers, mm-hmm. but I feel like an artist is somebody that understands who they are, you know, and that's something that he always had from the time he was a teenager. He always knew who he was, and it was a whole bunch of dope people, people that had bars and stuff, but you know, it's like the J line, like he's all right, but he's not real. It's that, it's that thing. It's like, you know, the thing I love about him is that. It's zero percent like gimmick. It's zero percent. I'm trying to impress you, and a hundred percent like this is, this is authentically who I am. You know, and that's what, that's what makes him who he is. You know? To answer that, thorough, because I was always trying to impress, bro, you, like the, the immediate people that was helping me come mm-hmm. out my shell, because I always been kind of shy. I just know shy, being shy don't get me nowhere. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's just like. Like with chicks growing up, you know what I'm saying? I know the chicks like me, but I really had to know they liked me for me to talk to them. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't good at accepting failure or, you know what I'm saying? That type of shit. Like, I never been good at that. So, anything that's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, for me or, you know what I mean? It's not supportive of anything I'm doing. Shit, I just stay away from it. You know what I mean? Like, chicks, niggas, whatever. Like, business. I ain't really... And right. I, I try not to mix the business with personal shit, mm-hmm. but it's hard not to mix money with personal shit. All right. And then as we talk about that whole thing, because uh, right now, 
when I think about MCs and not just just internationally, it's a it's a buzz and you got a following because you you giving something. Can we smoke here? I got a I got a no smoke, but we can't stop for a smoke session. Though. <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, uh, because I got I got the front porch and everything, but um, if uh, but we got and actually we'll we'll take that pause and then we'll come back on talking about what you think about where where we at with rap now, where you want to go, kind of with it, and um, and then just beyond rap, what you just see in a grander vision for. Any other artistry that you plan on doing? Okay. All right. So, just in wrapping up, and we got into a lot of the background of Bodie James. Thank you so much for being in effect with this Detroit is Different podcast. And also, Sterling Toes is in here giving some of the background of how you started with music. Where you at with music right now? What you working on right now? Um, I got a project called The Art of Rock Climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's me and my homeboy DJ Butter. I know Butter for a long time. That's my guy. Um, yes, yes. See, I gave Butter the opportunity to be able to um, <clears throat> make music with me and do a an entire project with me because Butter, Butter always been a fan of mine. He always been humble. You know what I mean? Like even when I seen him and King Dave working back in the day, because King Dave's my homeboy. I grew up on oh, school crime. Yeah, but. For some reason, King Day was never really supportive of a nigga music. Mm. I, I was supposed to do the tape with King Day, but he must ain't believe in who Bodie James really was musically. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He just always knew Lil Moochie the drug dealer. Mm-hmm. So he was always deterred by thinking I was going to become everything he kept seeing you know, from his other homeboys. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. out here in the street and shit. But, yeah. you know what I mean? Butter did a project because... You know, he just been on my heels, Butter just always been somebody that, you know, I want to spend some money with you, buddy. I want to verse, I, you know, it's just, I fuck with him, you know what I'm saying? And I want to see Butter with the opportunity to take his music, you know what I'm saying, on another level, you know what I mean? So, I just felt like, you know what I'm saying, it was time to put that collab together. And then I got another project called The House of Blues. Mm-hmm. Now, I was going to call it Pillmatic. Because anybody, anybody who know what I mean by when I say the House of Blues, I was going to call it Pillmatic, Live at the Roxy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I think it was conflicting with what my label was trying to do with me. And, you know, they don't want to tarnish the Illmatic brand. Mm-hmm. When really... That's the most relevant shit I can drop in the city of Detroit right now. You know what I'm saying? To me. That'll make sense to me and all my people who I'm making music for and trying to get the approval to make sure I still got my edge as an MC. Mm -hmm. That's what that was about. Okay. And I'm working on them two projects. And I just do music, period. Like, that's just my getaway. That's my escape from reality. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. So, is there any artists that you want to work with that you haven't worked with and the whole concept of producers or anything like um, that? I got a lot of niggas, baby mamas, I want to make a hit single with. Um, a smash hit single. You hear me talk? <laughs> no, I'm talking shit, man. I got my own wife, man. I got my own motherfucking migraine. I'll be dealing with it every day. I don't need no 
know, another nigga bitch problems in my life. Uh, I done work with Nas Escobaro, the Mac Millers, the Cool Kids, the Dage Loafs, um, Problem, uh, Manny Fresh, um, the list goes on, man. You know what I'm saying? The Earl Sweatshirts, the Damo Genesis, um, Alchemist, uh, like I say, the list goes on, man. I, um, I like two chains. I like, uh, okay. I still fuck with T.I., but I like the older, like, I'm serious, um, urban legend, you know what I'm saying, trap music, T.I., you know what I'm saying, um, and then let me ask you this, transitioning from the game to the music business, how has it been just interacting with people, being that you really, I think, like, a lot of your circle in the game was people you came up with, and now you in positions interacting with people that you just now meeting? <clears throat> Rat gang, crack gang. The reason they make the comparison because it's similar in the way people try to slick you and get over on you. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I, if you don't count your money, you know what I mean? You look up in your pocket, your, your register will be short, you know? So I just look at it like, um, the only difference is it's a paper trail on it with the rap. It's the only difference is the 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 rap is nothing but the streets. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's like a a summary. It's like a brief summary of the streets. You know what I'm saying? Because you can't, you don't gotta know. Ain't enough time in the day. I can't drop a 24 hour song about my day. So mm -hmm. I gotta try to narrate it. You know what I'm saying? In those three, four, five minutes that I do got. To bring it to your attention, you know what I'm saying? I gotta, I gotta narrow it down, and that's the only difference. Like street shit, it ain't no cap off on it. You know what I mean? Ain't no salary cap on the street shit. You know what I mean? Ain't no paper trail on the street shit. But everything you do musically, it got a paper trail, and somebody's assigned to a specific position. You know what I'm saying? On your uh on a workload, like, you know what I'm saying, people that's, that you hire to do certain, you know what I'm saying, fulfill certain obligations business-wise, you know what I'm saying, everybody got a specific role and a part that they got to play. That's niggas' problem in the streets is they don't know their position and what role they actually play. Mm -hmm. All right, so that, that kind of already lends itself to the cat out there listening right now that's like, yo, please listen to my demo. What would you suggest to a rapper that's looking to be in any position in this game. Is this something they should pursue? What would you say? Presentation is everything. Because I done been fucked up a couple times and thought it was just easy for me to burn a couple of my CDs up and go stand somewhere and try to sell them. But like I told you, I'm not good at rejection or denial. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it was hard. It was harder for me to stand out there and sell my CDs all day. Like, my bro, he a real hustler. He can sell anything. Like, I didn't seen this nigga sell anybody's CD. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Because that's how much of a hustler he is. Me, I'm just real leery and sketchy about the people that I deal with. And I never want nobody looking at me a certain kind of way or having nothing to hang over my head to be able to judge me by. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, I'm the type of nigga where... 
if I'm hungry and I'm in your home and your people offer me something to eat and I don't feel like it's genuine, no matter how hungry I am, I won't accept that meal. I can have somewhere to be in 10 minutes and you can have a car and offer me a ride. But if that ride, if I feel like it ain't come from the bottom of your heart, mm -hmm. I just walk to wherever the fuck I'm going. I've always been like that. So I was just cracking at the music. Like, man, I ain't going to be out here selling my CDs and panhandling and shit. I'm going to just make sure my shit dope and my presentation is correct. So when a nigga see me, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, he can't really judge me for what I don't have because I'm not trying to be something I'm not. And he can't judge me for where I'm trying to go in life because he really see the drive and he see that I'm focused on getting there no matter what I got to do to get there. You know what I'm saying? As long as I ain't cutting nobody's throats that, you know what I'm saying, that, that I'm supposed to be building with and I ain't burning no bridges that I got to cross again. I don't feel like, you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm doing anything wrong. But another person to look at that like, like I'm trying to finesse or finagle my way into a situation and as soon as I get the feeling that or I get that reading from somebody I back off of them mm -hmm. and that fucked up a lot of relationships I had musically streetwise like friendships all that shit but all my real niggas they understand me they know I'm a weirdo so they know what to expect of me so I don't mm -hmm. go through that with my real brothers you know what I'm saying I just go through that with fuck boys that really don't know me and they think they got me figured out until you know what I'm saying the time come where it's like I really ain't that nigga, bro. Like, I don't know who you thought I was. I ain't them flunky-ass niggas you be running with and all that, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, <clears throat> like, I wasn't a late bloomer at all. I was one of the first people in my neighborhood of my peers to jump off the porch. But when it came um, to all the fast cars and all that, like, I kind of blossomed. Like, like, I, like, my shit wasn't materializing like other people's shit was, because I was trying to do everything myself. I never had no help doing anything, you know what I'm saying, other than, you know, like the help I get from my bros, and they can only do so much. It's like they can lead me to the water, but they can't drink it for me, mm -hmm. you know? So, hold on, man, I'm just, I just always been a weirdo, but the niggas who accept me for who I was, you know what I'm saying, they understand what's going on right now. So if I pull up in a brand new Benz, or, you know what I'm saying, I'm driving a Bentley through the neighborhood, and, and all my homeboys' friends ring, the phones ringing like, hey, yo, I just seen Mooch, you know what I'm saying, on the mall in the new Aston Martin or some shit. My real niggas not going to be surprised because they like, shit, that nigga, that's what I expect of him. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, y'all look at him and think he weird and just because he got these ways about him that he not who and what he really is. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But... Me and him came up with Concreatures when we was 11. We just didn't, we wasn't old enough to be able to hold it down. So once we got old enough and let niggas know that was our gang and that's what I was standing on musically, we had to position ourselves and that's the only reason we didn't get swindled for it. Because Concreatures is my whole gimmick. That's everything. That's, mm. I wouldn't even rap if I didn't have that. You know what I'm saying? Which that kind of transitions me to the last artistic question. Future, where do you see yourself going artistically? It, it could be music, it could be fashion, it could be whatever. What other ways do you see yourself expressing what you got to the world? Bodie James, the CEO, the executive producer, the um, the film writer, the uh, the director, the you know what I'm saying, just the 
the head honcho of Kind Creature Entertainment. I'm just trying to mm-hmm. take that to new heights and make movies and music and soundtracks and, you know what I'm saying, clothing, all that shit. Anything I got to do to make sure, you know what I'm saying, shorty don't grow up making the same mistakes I made. Okay. Because I got a daughter as well as a son. And mm-hmm. I got stepchildren too that, that really like, they, they give a fuck about my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. they really value that, you know, so... I ain't out here faking and flaking. Like, anything I say or I do, I can stand on it. You know what I'm saying? Period. And that's that's why you don't got to work hard at being no real nigga. You just got to be yourself. And that's mm-hmm. what makes you real. And I ain't never had an identity crisis. Like, me and my niggas, we ain't never been, you know what I'm saying, so in a hurry to be somebody else. It was like, I just can't wait to be the best me I can be. You know what I mean? Yep. And that, that kind of brings it to the close. The classic Detroit is different questions. If you had to rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? Um, hmm, That's a good one. Okay. If I had to name Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why would it be that person? I would have to name... I would have to name Woodward. I would have to name Woodward Hellblock. I wouldn't name it after nobody. I just name it after my street. Stahalen. That's where all this shit started from. All this rap shit. All this. You know what I'm saying? Because <clears throat> I was um, a producer when I stayed on the east side. I was fucking with the beats. I didn't start. I didn't start taking ramming seriously till I moved with my father on the west side. Mm-hmm. And that's where I adopted like my brothers who been with me through the thick and thin. Like, like we got our first money together. We got fresh the first times together. We got half for the first times together. We counted our first money together. We hit our first licks together. You know what I'm saying? We started hustling around the same time. Like, see, I never had the uh, the mopeds and the sprees and the go karts and shit in the neighborhood. We used to have to sit there and watch that shit ride past us all day. So when we grew up, we wasn't in con- in competition. But you know, it's always friendly competition. But we wasn't really competing with our peers. We just wanted to be able to have that same presentation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? When you see us, you didn't see one nigga fresher than the other one. Because we was the Fab Five. We was the original Fab Five. For all that OGC, Helter Skelter, uh, Buckshot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because Michigan Fab Five. And it was five of us. Mm-hmm. So that's what we called ourselves. You know what I'm saying? But all that stemmed into a lot of shit, whether you want to believe it or not. Like, that stemmed from people might not believe it, but that BMF shit today. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? For example, like them was niggas in our crew. Them was family members of ours. Those mm-hmm. were niggas we went to school with and peers of ours. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. made all those connections and ties and then you look up and them niggas really was the mafia. See, the reason I respect my guys because no matter how big an empire was or how big a 
plateau somebody had to make money from, we wasn't quick to switch up and jump ship. We always stood our ground and even if we didn't have it, we just thugged it out until we got it. That was us. All right. Next question. What was your very first car? My very first car was a Honda. No, 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 no. I take that back. My very first car was a deuce and a quarter. Mm. 75. I had two of them. My grandfather died and left me two deuce and a quarters when I got to Mississippi. I was 15, fresh out the youth home. Mm. Got down south to a coupe and a sedan. 75, deuce and a quarters. Both 10, peanut butter interior, mm. peanut butter tops. One had crushed velvet seats and one was slightly lighter, a, a lighter shade shaded than the other one. Like manual, two beautiful, two beautiful cars. You say what? Manual. Yeah. Oh man. So you knew how to drive stick when you were fifteen? No, no. These was automatics. Oh okay, okay. But I'm saying like um, the cars were so long. See, I was used to driving stolen cars, mm-hmm. neons, uh, cutlasses. You know what I'm saying? Like a Cutlass was a big car to me then. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the yeah, length yeah, of the yeah. car, because I was a kid. You know what I mean? I didn't catch my spur then. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't able to let the seat all the way back like I do my bins and, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rad, you know, because I'm 6'3 now. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I wasn't, I ain't catch my spur till, you know what I'm saying? High school or whatnot. Like later on, when I was supposed to, I dropped out in ninth grade, but, you know, about 11, 12th grade, I caught my spur. But, these deuce and the quarters was so motherfucking long. These bitches was like driving tanks. Yeah, I didn't know right. how to drive <laughs> when it come to driving <laughs> a big body. You know what uh, I'm saying? Yeah. And those deuce and the quarters, once I got the swing and them down, I can drive a motherfucking 18 wheeler. <laughs> Straight up. One thing though, man, when he came back from Mississippi, man, I never forget he came back from Mississippi. And um, that's why I feel like Detroit know about Lil Boosie because this nigga came back with a Lil Boosie CD. And when he came back with the little Boosie CD, he gave it to me. He was like, man, this nigga named Lil Boosie, man. He down south firing shit up. He hot, he hot. So I, he play it. I'm like, man, uh-uh. Because the nigga voice was like, man, 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 man. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, I don't know, man. And he kept talking about a firebird and shit. So I'm like, man, I don't know, man. He kept playing, he kept playing, and he fucking, like, made me like the shit. So next thing I know, I'm like, shit, I'm banging Boosie, man. I'm banging this nigga Lil Boosie. We got man. the whole hood. We and look we got up. a nigga named Gene who died with our boy Eric and Brent, man. R.P. them boys, man. Eric, Gene, and Brent, man. That nigga Gene took Boosie, and he took him to, like, a whole never level. He In Detroit. Yeah. He made, he was banging Boosie how motherfuckers bang anybody who hot right now. Mm-hmm. But it was the down south music, so, you know, we really went banging yeah, down yeah. south music. Like At the time, because I'm guessing that's, like, 90, I'm thinking like 96, 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Somewhere up in there. 90. Oh, 97. Yeah. Nigga came back with the Boosie. Because uh, remember, remember Boosie was just as young as Wayne when he got yeah, signed. Yeah. Boosie was signed up. Remember Boosie was on Where Them Dollars At? That was his voice on there. Pound for pound, man. Looked up three, four years later, Boosie all over the D, man. And, and it was crazy, but for sure, man. Catch that hand a little bit. You want to know something crazy? You know what I'm saying? Um, Shout out my nigga JR, man. They just gave my nigga JR 14 years. I was just um, in OCJ with him. And me and him got into an argument about this top. He was arguing about... It, it, it stemmed from a few different things. It went from... Uh, why... My little dog was about to get into a fight. 
I'm trying to calm him down because he got something really to concentrate on in the morning. He got to go to court. So I'm telling him, like, man, fuck that shit, man. Fuck that, fuck that white boy. That white boy ain't talking about shit, man. You know what I'm saying? You got bigger fish to fry in the morning, my nigga. Like, we chilling. We on a good rock. You know what I'm saying? We all in here together. You feel me? We holding each other down. We eating good. Fuck that nigga. You ain't about to do nothing but go to the hole or go get sent to R9. And, you feel me? You gonna go to court. You know what I'm saying? Disturbed in the morning. So, a motherfucker had, um, commented on me speaking to my little nigga. So, I had something to say about that. Like, bro, like, man, mind your motherfucking business, bro. I don't get in no nigga business around here. So, I don't expect you to get in mine, bro. So, I will respect nigga if you manage your motherfucking business. You feel me? So, me and the nigga JR get to kicking it. And he talking about Lil Boosie. Because he said that's his favorite rapper. So, I'm trying to tell him. I say, bro, it's crazy that you say that to me. Because I brought Boosie to the dick. Man, we argued about this so <laughs> for so long, bro. I'm really trying to tell this nigga, like, nigga, I really put Detroit up on Boosie, and it, it starts smart. I had to tell him in, in, in an example like this, Top. We didn't start rocking Nautica just because we seen Nautica and start rocking it. We seen a nigga wear the shit. Period. Then you start putting ideas in your head how you can get fresh off this idea you got from watching how this nigga put his shit together, right? I brought the Boosie CD back, and it started small. It started from me giving it to him, him giving it to our, another one of our bros, Gene. and our bro burning the CD for everybody in the ghetto who wanted it. Because everybody hears one guy come down the street banging mm -hmm. his new music, so everybody in the hood like, who was that he banging? Mm -hmm. Pulling up, nigga, like, I want to, man, I want, what you is feel me? Yeah, now Boosie I look up, I need it too. and Boosie can come to our city and get 30000 40000 a show. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I had nothing to do with the grind of it. I'm saying, but that's how shit yeah, it was catches ear. organically. You oh, get no, what I'm saying? It was, that's it was a ear. I mean, I remember when uh it's like the same way when um when that first rock bottom came out, it was like you know, it was like dominoes fell. You know. You See but Tango. And I got something to say about new, that. Cause, cause, <laughs> Tango cause new. This a Tango new day. Somebody else, and this then a, you. And this then a new day. Dominoes fell. I got love. I got love for the rock bottom brand. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the group. I don't have no hard feelings with nobody. You know what I mean? But that's how you know. No matter how much talent a group of guys got, or a certain individual has. If everybody not on the same note, you're not going to get that response you're looking for out of the situation. And I would think the music that they was making, that they was bros like how me and my niggas run together. But that's not how that went. They was more so like individuals and a couple of them in crews amongst different crews to make rock bottom. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's... Uh it's it's a story kind of like the dreadnought story and a lot of other stories i mean see but you don't get that with Bodie james and the concrete just because it's just me and my mm -hmm. niggas don't rap <laughs> i'm like mm -hmm. i'm not really like growing up i was the only nigga mm -hmm. in my crew that rap none of my niggas rap mm -hmm. i didn't met some rap niggas since i've been rapping mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying but mm -hmm. really like and they didn't consider me as being no rapper i was like the hood reporter for the shit that was going on in the ghetto. Mm -hmm. Straight up. We'd be freestyling and you know niggas, you know, get blow or whatever. Everybody freestyling, you know, just talking shit. But when he freestyle or when he get to spit, niggas like, damn, yeah. Yeah, it was dope. P 
period, every time. So yeah. that faded out because everybody gonna have a rap stage when they growing up and around this hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like it's like hooping with Jordan. It's yeah, like, I mean, after a while, you know, you I'm not about to get dunked on no more. I don't want to take that one. I don't want to take that one. I'll take that one if you giving me that one. But damn, hooping with Mike. No, that's what it, that's what it's like being in the um in the stew up, like with Nas. Like it was a lot of pressure on me being in there with Nas because it's like, damn, I've been waiting on this moment all my life. That's crazy. Now that I'm here, I didn't make a plan for it. After this point, I only planned up until this point. It's just like the music. Like, I got signed by Nas. It's my favorite rapper ever. It's like a dream come true, right? Mm -hmm. And you make all these plans to get to this point in your life. And then when you get there, it's like, okay, now what now? That's where I'm at musically right now. And I think what you keep doing, especially most of what I hear from from different things is through... Uh, some of the mixtapes were mostly through Sterling. And the project that Sterling's working on sound like Yeah, that's a real it's movie. Like, I wanna I wanna like damn near shoot that like Streets is watching. It's like an orchestra, something No, that's what it is. It's an opera. Yeah, let's yep, that's the best way to put it. It's an opera. In the in the way that um They gonna appreciate that because Sterling one of the most articulate people I know. Like uh-huh. like I don't know a colder artist as far as like with sketches and paints and oh, I mean, I like, had to have him do my album cover. Yeah, man, you know, you know, I don't think people understand. Like, I want him to come, come trick my studio out for me. You just whatever he feel, he could just put the shit on the walls. You know what I'm saying? Cause mm-hmm. he that fucking dope. Like people don't even know. Like, and then the beats he make it kind of represent that same type of style he got with the art. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he because it is art. It, it's uh anything artsy is his type uh, of shit straight up bro I call it I, I say I say start so with a woman start look, shit. so I can imagine like a woman with that coke bottle body you sit there looking at that bitch like I'm about to paint you baby you know how you got that one game like just get naked let me paint you you know what I'm saying bitch standing there posing and shit what's so crazy <laughs> then, then he turned the portrait around and it really looked like her what's so crazy is I think she probably just Sterling be talking that Sterling shit she probably get naked before he even even asked y'all don't even understand the <laughs> concentration my bro had man he he was so disciplined and focused for so long that he probably rip a bitch to shreds now you know what I'm saying cause my man they always was so attracted to him, but he was <laughs> he only was attracted off the mental. It wasn't they physical. Like he mm-hmm. used to always stress that to me. Like I gotta, it gotta be there first. Like yeah. I'm, it's a lot of chicks I'm attracted to, and they be wanting me to crack them, but yeah. I'm focused right now. Crazy, yeah, yeah, no. You can't see crazy. Like you can see looks. You can't see crazy though. But crazy sometimes got that work. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey man, crazy and got me, crazy and got me out of twelve years, two yeah, kids, crazy. a bankroll, crazy, crazy. Up, I be seeing that work, brother. I be seeing my bitch sometime. I be like, damn, bitch, you over there shining. You been robbing a nigga for years. <laughs> uh, it be like that, man. But yeah, we gonna baby. definitely. Uh, we gotta. I, I don't know what's gonna be next, but I'm gonna definitely try to get you back in effect. This was dope as hell. I gotta get some pics. Bodie James, Detroit is different. Sterling in here. Where we at with it? For for I'm, I'm gonna have Sterling give like one of them uh, Jerry Springer final thoughts. It's Sterling doesn't even really say much about them. Give a <laughs> give mean, a combo nation. So much to say. I, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interject, yeah. interject now, Sterling. Give some uh, give a philosophical um, 
Give them philosophical. New, new bus down 41 on the way? No. You're going to be over here top. Nah, man. I mean, it's... I don't know if I come up with something philosophical. You know, you can't make me do that shit, but... <laughs> I want to say, though, like, man, like, this bro, like... Man, I'm so proud of him, man. Like, like shit, I, I... I respect him like my father, but I love him like my son. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... That's my bro. God bless you, big bro. Sterling sent me the dopest shit when I was in jail, dog. He sent me a picture of my son, dog. It was like, it was like right on time. His father, me and his father got like an ill relationship, so his father was worried about me too. While I was locked up, so they sent me like, like this dual letter. You know what I'm saying? That he read, and his father read me some shit, and he drew me some shit on my son. It's the dopest shit ever, man. It just had me, just let me know, like. He like, yo, you need anything? I'm like, no, nah, I'm almost home, bro. I'll be home in a couple of days and shit. And here's the funny thing about our relationship, too, is that, like, so, like, the whole thing with my father, so, like, I think a lot of people probably would assume that me and him would have been in different positions, like, switch positions. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, my father was a dog dealer. Mm-hmm. And my father was a cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I ended up like on the straight and narrow, and, and I'm and I, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you've been like, in knee deep in the game, and I was the one who, you know what I'm saying, got out here and tried to get on bullshit. And no, nah, it, it ain't like that. But I mean, he, I remember he told me one time he was like, you know, and uh, you know, don't, don't respect your father. He, he told me one time he was like, man, he was like, it's like. My father do all the right things for all the wrong reasons, and I do all the wrong things for all the right reasons. Yep. You know. That's the truth. And, um. We had to, like, Top will tell you, like, that's Rob, Top top Rob. So, mm-hmm. he'll tell you, um. I had an ill old dude, though. My old dude was fair, but he was serious. Mm-hmm. We can, like, cuss. You know what I'm saying? Like, we used to be in my crib doing shit that he would never fucking imagine we was in my house doing, man. If I told him the stories, he wouldn't believe me not. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And I'm just glad that I'm still alive because a nigga could have died from a couple of them incidents. <laughs> For real. His bitch broke, kicked my door, side door in one time. That's uh, like it, a very interesting story. You definitely got to tell that. Okay, okay. We can't, we, we, nope, nope. We're going to freeze frame that one right there. <laughs> okay, right. Statute of limitations. Yeah. But I'm going to definitely get that story as we yeah, go in the going to freeze frame that one. Because we don't, we don't want my uh, sister-in-law at his motherfucking throat when he get to the crib. Statute of limitations. Oh, you got, you got bitches kicking in doors, huh? Yeah, we was kids. We were like very young, like 13, 12 years old. You know what I mean? I like that, though. Yeah. All right, so thank you so much. We're going to kill it. Yep, God bless 100. Everybody stay up. 227. Let's get it. I sold dope all my life. Yeah, the deuce is dropping. 62s and pots. Getting to the profit. Solid to a net. Liquid to a solid. What you know about I sold dope all my life. Yeah, yeah. Now what's 100,000? I sold dope all my life Here we go again 
Niggas hearts dropping to they feet on the strength. I'm a hard rocker from the D, blowing again, sipping hard vodka, selling weed, throwing my mag in your broad locker. Went on the street, going hand with them armed robbers, doing me on the crab with my door popping. Uncle Keith was the man with the false bottom. WD 40 cans full of narcotics, running me a couple grams, then I start copping from a three to a half when I saw a profit. Put a G in my grandmother hall closet Running the streets with my fam, niggas caught bodies Fucking with me and my mans, then I lost Swally He never did shit to nobody but them boys shot him We hold court in the street, how we resolve problems I practice what I preach, you niggas false pride Brought it, cold living like I don't know wrong from right in this fight, nigga I sold dope all my life On the cold, it's a nice rolling stone on my bike and my nights, nigga I sold dope Blow your nose, hit the pipe, poke a hole, take a flight to new heights, nigga. I sold dope all my life. Brody on with the white on my phone at the light, make the right, nigga. I sold dope all my life. Well, stay on your grind when you cut dimes, no eights or two for nines for them nicks. Tow tray tools and nines with rubber grips. No safety on mines, what it is. 48219 is my zip code, whole cakes 215. For the big one, the 48125. Of that year, buddy, no shake 2.9. For the split pop, you gon' pay 1.5. Them zips go for 8 and sometimes 9. For the happy tappy bow, it take 4 one time. The next time my phone rang, I'm gon' want 5. Them quarters 250 for you 225. The spot is 150 for you 125. Looming them full and them 16s for 75. And I'm charging 50 for 0.7. My gap is concrete. Broad is cold, living like I don't know wrong from right in the spite, nigga. I sold dope all my life. On the cold, it's a nice rolling stone on my bike and my nights, nigga. I sold dope all my life. Blow your nose, hit the pipe, poke a hole, take a flight to new heights, nigga. I sold dope all my life. Brody on with the white on my phone at the light, make the right thing. I these niggas can't fuck with me. Like I can't hide company. Comfortably, feet kicked up under the money tree. No more Reggie C, nickel dimes and quarters. We rolling up through kilograms, little shop of horror. Concrete Hill Block, Detroit. Standing over the kitchen sink with a hot pot of boiling water. Smoking the Swiss and sweet, finna drop a quarter soft for the deuce and a quarter. But I can knock a quarter off. Went from a deuce and a quarter to a four and a half. In my deuce and a quarter with a bow and a half. Half the time drunk, pouring up a cup of yak on the run flats. Cuz rolling up a loud pack. If I ain't in the hood, tell me where the hood at. I'm on my block selling drugs, posted like a thumbtack. Tactical command, no taking a stand. And ain't no weak links in my chain of command. It's concrete. Broad and cold, living like I don't know wrong from right in the spite, nigga. I sold dope all my life with the deuces dropping. 62s and pots, getting to the profits. Solid to a lick, liquid to a solid. What you know about? I sold dope all my life, yeah, yeah. Now what's a hundred thousand? I sold dope all my life.